hey, did you know that there's over 1.5 million doctors that have been practicing in the U.S. since 2015? And that's been on a steady decline due to insurances. And also 37% are experiencing professional burnout. Hey guys, I'm excited about today's show. I have a special guest, Dr. Evie Selub. And she's going to be talking about her experience from practicing Western medicine and combining both, moving to Western and Eastern, and bringing the whole healing process together. I'm excited for this interview. I've been really looking at all of her stuff online and what she's done over the years. It's just been amazing. So we're excited to have Dr. Evie Celeb on our show. So let's get to work. You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose-driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts, creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited today's show. We have a special guest, Dr. Evie, and we're going to be talking about a very important topic that I feel is very important in today's society, integrative care, and what that looks like. So, Dr. Evie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. So, Tell the listeners a little about yourself and in your journey becoming a doctor, because it's really fun. We were talking before the show and your journey, but share with the listeners, how did you get to where you're at with medical and uh, your practice? Uh, let's see. Well, I always knew I, I was going to be in the healing profession. Mm-hmm. I say that uh, because when I was very little, I loved the idea of being, you know, medicine woman or ISIS or, you know, one of these crazy healer people. Um, but I also grew up in a scientific home. My father is a professor in biochemistry and we, you know, I grew up going to living in, near hospitals and doctors and scientists and so on and so forth. So in my home, it was very clear that doctor was the route for me. I didn't want to be a scientist. I wanted to be a doctor, a clinician. And so that was pretty clear when I went to uh, I went to medical school and I, I did a residency in internal medicine with the plan of doing a fellowship and becoming an intensivist, working in intensive care units, and mostly pulmonary medicine was my major interest. But however, in my second year of my residency, I had the life-altering experience of um, being stuck with an HIV needle, a pretty devastating experience. Um, And at that time, this is 1996, so we had a, the different virus that people were scared of, that people died from and had horrible deaths from in 1996. And I was one of the first people to start a cocktail of medications to prevent a conversion uh, into HIV. So I got quite sick. It was about 14 pills a day for six weeks. And during that time, I just sort of had a, what are you doing with your life kind of thing? And if, you, if I do live what am I going to do and what's going to happen to me? And, you know, I was devastated and distressed about how I was going to pay off my student loans, whether or not I was ever going to find love, you know, what's going to happen. And after six weeks of taking the medications, I did not, uh, you know, catch HIV. Um, But I also was, had already rethought my life and thought, 
You know, what are you doing? Why would you want to work in an intensive care unit? Um, why not teach people how to have a life as opposed to, you know, get them at the end? And so that's when I decided it. I was going to do something else. I wasn't sure what, but primary care was going to be sort of what I did until I figured it out. And so that year, I um, had other really horrific experiences as I'm trying to say, okay, I'm going to, this is my new direction. And I was sort of pumped about that. And uh, then my dog died and grandfather died. And um, let's see, my apartment burned down. I had to take somebody to court who was harassing me. And my father had a heart attack all within five months. So that was an experience that brought me to my knees where I really became profoundly depressed and faced sort of the darkness of the soul. Like, what are you doing and why, and why is this happening to me? And every time I tried to help people, I get burned. And, um, and that went on, I was pretty depressed for several months until, you know, I just kind of came to a friend and taking me out to dinner and said, we miss you. And I just sort of woke up and I said, why well, I've been walking around feeling like a victim. You know, I keep saying, why me? When the real question I should be asking is why not me? Nature just as soon lets a forest fire burn as a flower bloom. It's not personal. And I've been taking this personally as if life is happening to me as opposed to life is happening with me. And that victimization has really affected me in all levels. And I need to figure out how and why and also how that's going to affect other people. So when I finished my residency and started primary care, I also started volunteering at the Mind Body Medical Institute with Herb Benson at Harvard, which is where I was teaching and working anyway. And while there, they asked me to be the medical director. And so I started learning on the, on the job, right? Learning about the mind body spirit connection, about relaxation and meditation, about cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology, about nutrition exercise, things you don't learn in medical school. Mm -hmm. And so I was given the opportunity to really learn about that, to have patients um, try these different modalities that are outside of the, the allopathic regular medicine and start seeing the merging of the worlds together. And five years into that, I started really being unhappy with my primary care job. I was having panic attacks. The system was changing to what it is now, um, where we were being given incentives or being our pays were being docked and our contracts were coming up. And I just was miserable. And I said, you know, the day I start seeing my patients, it's numbers is the day I have to leave. And I did not renew my contract. I just left. I said, I can't do this. And I stayed on as a medical director um, and started studying with healers. Um, started, you know, for myself, working with energy healers and Qigong masters and acupuncturists and all that sort of thing and learning as much as I could so that a year later opened up my own practice where I was merging the worlds together um, and really helping individuals understand themselves, mind, body, and spirit and heal themselves on all levels to align with the natural body's ability to heal itself. So I was using both Eastern and Western modalities oh, wow. of, of, of medicine to help people advocate for themselves. Because my problem as a doctor, and which still my problem today, which is why I closed my practice down in June, is that the problem with the doctor is that patients come to you wanting you to fix them. And I really did not like that position because really you're the one that fixes yourself and you have the natural ability to heal yourself. So I felt I'm, I'm better apt to call myself a coach where a coach helps that individual participate in honing in on their body's ability to thrive. 
And so over the course of the past, let's see, 2002 was when I left my practice. So the, you know, basically for almost 20 years, I've been teaching people how to become resilient, oh. how to connect with themselves, mind, body, and spirit. So for me, doctoring is not what you call a doctor out there. My MD has been used in many different ways, but, but really more in a holistic way to help people understand that they have the power to, sh to change their health destiny, their lives, but they have to choose to. And you have to choose to be the victor of your life, not the victim like I had to learn back in 1996. This is awesome. So you, you, the journey you took in as a doctor is not a traditional path. I mean, a lot of loss, pain, uh, discovering yourself. I think it's huge because a lot of uh, clinicians or medical uh, practitioners, uh, practitioners, practitioners, I got to get the word right here. It's coming out. Um, <laughs> but one, one of the things I've seen just being around them as well is what you just said. A lot of them don't discover the why and all that pain and discovering. So let's talk about purpose. You, you've really done. So now you're at Harvard. Um, I so, resigned by the way. What's that? I'm no longer there. I resigned. So, okay, was. so you're I not was there, there for about 20 years. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of people hear the word Harvard and they think, uh, you know, this campus because they see it on the movies. How was it being at Harvard at the Healing Center? Um, so I, there, I would say there's, as like anything, there's pros and cons. So the pros were that I got to work with some really amazing people and got to train people from all over the world who would come to our programs. Um, the con is, is academics. You know, and academics is, a is a structure, is an institute where they don't really like change and they don't like to be challenged. And uh, if you're a woman, it's even harder. So I would say the cons of being there, which is why I left, was I didn't have the ability to, to really break down walls and to create sh uh, changes in culture and um, changes where I thought changes needed to be made within the institution. And don't get me wrong, there's some really wonderful research and great changes that are being made within what they allow. But for what I wanted to do and what I felt I needed to do with my purpose, it wasn't within the infrastructure of the institution. Okay, so it didn't align anymore. So, and this is so important for people that are purpose-driven because a lot of times things don't align. I remember working with a doctor in the ER and he just didn't like his job. You can tell, you can see it in his face. And he says, well, I can't do anything else because I went to med school. It takes so long to go through med school and then your residency. He says, what would I do? And I says, well, and this is when I was younger. And I, I remember I was just on my journey of finding purpose. And I says, but how would that be for 25 years doing something you hate? And he kind of paused. He says, well, I've never thought about that way. I says, but you become worse as a doctor, even though you're a great doctor because you hate what you're doing, right? Right. You lose and, your compassion. And it's in any, any, any industry. It doesn't matter what you do. So I love what you're doing. So um, I just wanted to add that, but integrative care. Uh, a lot of the, you know, being in mental health, coming from the mental health industry, this is a term that we uh, are, especially in Vegas and this side of the world, we're just learning about it. Uh, we're way behind the curve. Uh, integrative care is something that's so important. Let's talk a little about that so people understand what that means, not mind, body, and spirit. Well, I think also what people, the way I look at it is also different, right? Because mm -hmm. when people say integrative medicine, they're mm -hmm. usually referring to everything but allopathic medicine, which is 
basically Western medicine, which is what we know of as our hospitals and current doctors. And integrative medicine is, is everything that that isn't, right? So what I practice is the integration of medicine. It's different. We're integrating all forms of medicine Western to enable the natural body's ability to heal itself. And so every individual is going to require different things. Okay. So, so a lot of people think Western is the only way. So what you're doing is combining all of it. Uh, well, we're medicine. saying that whatever has been going on has been keeping humans alive for thousands of years. So there's some validity in it. It's not enough. And then we look at what allopathic medicine, we say, well, it's keeping people alive longer. So there's some validity in it but it's not enough because it's also toxic and it's fixing symptoms, not advocating for that person to heal. I mean, I look at my father and he's on 13 different medications right now. Mm -hmm. 13, he's 82 years old. He's on 13 different medications. Wow. I mean, when I'm 82 years old, I do not want to be in 13 different medications, right? So are those medications keeping him alive? You betcha, right? He's been hospitalized four times in the past four months. Oh, wow. so you betcha. But would I rather have a, an amazing quality of life without medications? You betcha. <laughs> so how do we do that? Right. So first of all, we have to figure out how to let the body's natural healing abilities chime in. And if the body can't do it, you can, you can throw in a medication or something else. But there's all different kinds of modalities that one can use that somebody in my father's age group isn't going to do because it's just not part of his paradigm. So, but there's, you know, nutrition, it can, you know, solve 80% or more of the issue. Mm -hmm. So, but that means changing your lifestyle and a lot of people don't want to do that. So it's sort of figuring out what is that individual ready for? What are they willing to do? what's available and that's why we integrate because not everybody's different and there's no one right recipe for every person i like that you said that because we got to meet everybody where they're at right. i know for me personally i'm i'm just starting down the road of uh, a diet you know because inflammation is always the cause of something so to get that inflammation down um taking away things uh intermittent fasting meditation i love i love yoga I just found that in my older age and yoga is, uh, it's been a great tool for me just to kind of find a center because I like that. Speak a little bit about um, tapping into the natural healing part of your body because people, I think we get so hardwired into the Western. I just go take an antibiotic. I just go do this uh, because that's how we were trained since we we're little. What does it mean to tap into your natural healing? Well, remember your mind and body are interconnected and are brilliantly designed to manage adversity in the wilderness. We didn't evolve with homes and roofs over our heads and clothes on our bodies and food that was readily available. So we had to have a body that was distinctly wired to be able to manage in the wilderness and figure out what was poisonous and what was not and what was healthy and what was not and when to sleep and when to be awake. And so we have these, this incredible system that can communicate with us and the world around us that we don't utilize anymore. And we've kind of put on the off switch on. And we've also given ourselves more stress than we actually have through the way we think. And that affects, again, the mind-body connection. And so it basically, so if you think about it, it's like the immune system, for instance, it's basically a 24-hour security system. 
So if you have your employees, you've got a 24 hour security system. These, your employees are working for you 24 seven and you don't feed them. Are they gonna be able to do their job? Or you feed them junk, so which makes them lazy and tired. Are they gonna be able to do a job? They're not keeping up with their fitness routine, so they can't chase away you know, the robbers. They're not able to do their job. So are invaders gonna be able to get through? Yes. Are they gonna be overworked and tired so that invaders can get through? Yes. Are they going to be now traumatized and have like PTSD and overreact to things that come in? Yes. So here you have an example of the body that could be strong and fight a virus, but is weakened because of lifestyle, because they haven't been taking care of the security system. So the immune system can't handle the virus or which we're also seeing the immune system is now hypervigilant and doing a hyper attack on the body. We're having, we're seeing like an inflammatory reaction, which is a lot of these cases of COVID where people are getting sick aren't from the virus itself, but from the cytokine reaction, from the inflammatory reaction. It's like having a huge allergic autoimmune reaction that's affecting blood vessels and, and you know, the gut and all different parts of the body, which is basically a huge immune cascade. So we could prevent that from happening and the body could be strong enough to handle anything as it comes forward. So the body has an innate ability to handle things. How we take care of it is going to depend on how well it functions. So I have some friends that it's funny you say that. So when you take the right nutrition, right exercise, the right mindset, uh, I had a friend, they, they are MMA fighters, big fitness people. They, they live that world, uh, meditation, yoga, all that stuff. Uh, his wife, he's a firefighter. His wife got COVID and she didn't even know because she just felt the, you know, the little pressure on the chest. Uh, but it was already two weeks past that she already went through it. She, she didn't even realize it uh, because they lived that mindset. I'm, I'm not saying it's for that. I'm just saying it, I think it does give a benefit of, like you said, I mean, they're constantly eating certain things. They don't eat uh, junk, all that stuff that, I think the analogy used that makes the things that can fight off any affection, it doesn't wear it down because we're not doing what we need to. And remember, um, we've all got different amounts of wiggle room. Yes. And that's one of the things to remember. What makes us different is we've got you know genetic predisposition and that either is going to mm -hmm. give us more wiggle room or less wiggle room. Our diet, how, how, how much we sleep, our, you know, our mental mindset, our relationships and how we feel loved and safe. Um, emotions are a big factor in this. Um, you know, what we, whether or not we, our body is actually physically fit and what it can handle. So there's so many different factors that go into what allows any given person to have wiggle room and age also plays a role, obviously. So, you know, genetics and age are there. Those are factors we can't do anything about. And then there's the other things that we can. And that's the thing is, what can people start doing right now? I mean, we're in a pandemic. Everybody's worried. Um, what do you? What's your advice you're giving to your clients right now with all this going on? Well, so we think about what is going to enable me to have a positive mindset that and a belief that says, come what may, I have the ability to handle this. I am enough. I have enough. Come what may, I have what I need. That's really what we want every cell of our body, the mindset to be. So what does that mean? That means I watch the news less often. 
because it's all laced with fear, staying off the internet. It's laced with fear. So if you want to like fall into the, to the, you know, it's like a boulder or, or, or snowball that's falling down the hill, just going to collect more and more snow and gain momentum until the point when it gets to the bottom of the hill, it's going to crash and, and splatter. And you do not want to be that snowball. So, you know, get off the hill. So that's one. Um, two is meditation, spending time in nature, connecting with something larger than with feelings of gratitude and hope and connectedness, connecting with people through Zoom or what have you, through ways of, of that nature, connecting with more you know, spiritual endeavors, like I said, meditation, yoga, tai chi, mindful walking, spending time in nature, improving your diet and making that into a ritual rather than just eating what's in front of you because you're stress eating. So making a beautiful ritual out of cooking, preparing, um, making, you know, trying to make sure that you've gotten organic or, you know, good quality foods in front of you and making that into a beautiful ritual um, and moving your body, uh, getting uh, sleep, making sure you get good, in, good quality of sleep. So those are just some simple things that anybody can do within the framework of what's, what they have um, to improve their, um, their body's uh, resilience. And, and that's so important right now, because I love that you said, you know, get off the internet, get off the TV, don't watch the news. Because um, for me, as an ADD kid, I, I was doing that at the first and it would just, my anxiety would go out the roof. And I, when I first, when I finally just shut it down, I says, uh, no more. Uh, I, I saw a recovery after a little bit. Um, and, and that's the thing is people don't understand the mind is so powerful. So let's go there for a minute, Doc, is that the mind, why are you so on what the mind does when most doctors are practicing the Western medicine where it's just, Hey, let's put the medicine in there. It's going to get you better. Uh, we'll get you to where you need to be. Like what you said, you were done with, uh, Hey, fix me doc. I want to feel better. Um, and I can make you feel better quickly with the medicine, you know, that could get you there. But if you don't change the habits, you're going to get right back where we started. So, Tell me, tell me a little about that, why the mind is so important. Well, it's not, I wouldn't say why the mind is so important. It's why the mind and body are so interconnected and that connection is so important. So not one can't exist without the other, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, maybe it can, but you can't live in the world very well. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's, it's to understand that we're wired to manage stress. Stress is truly just a, um, a term that means that there is an imbalance to a system that wants to be balanced. Okay, so every living organism, whether it's an amoeba or a human being, has a desire to find homeostasis, which is a bi the biological term for, for balance. So we all want to find balance, which is impossible to maintain in, in, in an environment that's constantly changing. So we're, we're wired. We've got this brilliant, beautiful system that's interconnected. It's called the stress system. It's connected with every system of the body, the cardiac system, the immune system, the, neuro neuro the neurological system. Every system of the body is interconnected to work together to figure out and adapt to change. So when your blood sugar drops, a stress response is initiated to create changes in the body that will create symptoms like hunger or fatigue so that your brain can then label the symptoms and then do something about it. If you didn't know what hunger was, you wouldn't fix it and you'd die. If you didn't know what feeling cold was, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't put on something cold, you would die. So we have to have the ability to make a judgment call. 
So we have a, a lower brain and body that feel changes and then an example that makes a decision what to do about those changes to adapt. So if you're hungry, you eat and you're back in balance. That's just how it works. We're designed to find relief in every way, in every shape and form, every activity that we do, every behavior, every thought is based on the body's desire to find relief. So when you're born, from the minute the sperm meets the egg, the, the brain is developing a database of what to do in times of change and how to adapt so that you don't have to think about it. So you don't have to think about how to tie your shoes every single time. You don't think about how to put on a, a sweater every single time. It becomes automatic. So this brain is always going to go to the database to figure out how to manage things as they come your way so that you can have a belief in yourself that should it happen in the future, I'll be okay. So if 10 out of 10 times I was hungry and 10 out of 10 times I got fed, I can safely assume that in the future, should I be hungry, I'll be okay. And that goes with everything about you. So you've also had experiences where you didn't win. You didn't manage. You maybe were hungry five out of those 10 times. So you're not so sure it's gonna be okay. You've got some anxiety around it. So the brilliant thing about the human brain is we have the ability to anticipate, mm. to project into the future so that we can come up with solutions, creative solutions, so that problem doesn't happen again. The problem is that that same brain can also anticipate stress, which means we develop anxiety. Mm. Or we develop negative habits to avoid that bad thing. So we could say, well, should this happen again? Let me figure out how to manage it so it won't bother me. Or you could have the victimized mentality and saying, oh shit, this is gonna, excuse my French, it's gonna happen to me again. I'm gonna die. You didn't die the first time, but you still think you're gonna die the second time. So that's sort of the, the anxiety, the way of looking at I'm a victim of my world as I'm a, I'm a, a co-creator of my world. So that the resilient mindset is very important. And uh, a small, maybe 30% of the population is born with that. And every, the rest of us either are born with the anxious sort of mindset or we learn helplessness. Most people learn helplessness throughout their life when they're not capable of handling things. So your, your brain is being programmed the first probably 15 years of your life. And then, so you don't have to think about that or maybe 12. And then higher brain functions start developing. But the, what, what drives your behaviors is actually what happened in the first 15 years of life when you actually didn't know much, when you didn't have much of a brain. So, so what I'm saying here is, is that most of our behaviors and habits have already been programmed by the time we're teenagers. So you're doing things that you think you need to do to help you feel better, but they're not always the best things for you because you didn't know better when you developed these coping habits. So unless you change that, it's very difficult to change behavior. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does. You're, I just listening, you're a wealth of knowledge. I could just sit here all day and just soak it in. And I hope the listeners are hearing this because I mean, the, the habits that you form, I love this, they were already there prior to when you were an adult and you got to go back and, and kind of manage them, fix them, start there. Cause that's where the key to your health is, right? You got to kind of manage those things. Cause we don't, tend to manage them we we get into as we go from adolescence to adulthood we as adults think that we have everything figured out and this is what i love about listening to you because through your journey you've really learned to tap in plus you're 
you're a scientist. I can just hear it with everything you're saying now. Do you talk about a lot of this in your books? Oh yeah, all of them. Perfect. Well, pretty much. So the your so your health destiny, mm -hmm. which is the third book, is the book that merges the Eastern and Western medicine. Um, each it's each chapter is broken down also into um, a system of the body, and so you'll learn how to look at the body from a Western point of view, so the anatomy and the functions, and then how you take that, the understanding of the functions into sort of a more functional medicine and Eastern medicine approach, what wisdom traditions would say. And then the prescriptive part is, you know, the nutrition and the exercise, the meditations, the healing that one can do for that part of the body. And the earlier chapters are explaining the, the, the basics of the science behind it and, and also the interventions. And it the works. love response is also the same type of thing, um, but it's more of an emotional, emotional, spiritual aspect of looking at um, fear and versus love and how basically at the cornerstone of all of our healing is, uh, is love. Wow. And where can we go get these books? Are they on Amazon? Where, where are they? <laughs> You can get them all online. Um, the second book is a book called Your Brain on Nature, which is really why I'm saying get off the screen and get out in nature. It's really important for us. Um, that one's not a, mostly a prescriptive, but it's really a scientific understanding. I wrote that with uh, my co-author, Alan Logan. Really a scientific understanding of why nature is so important for us and, um, and what's happening with technology and um, to our brains and our health and how we can find balance in that. And the, the last book, which um, the paperback just came out this year, um, oh. is uh, the Stress Management Handbook, um, which is basically taking all of the books and putting it into a handbook. So you just, it, so it's not, the, the science isn't there, but it's in the other books, but it's the how-to broken down. I love this. And and how can they, where can they find you? How do they, how do they get a hold of you? Because you're now coaching, right? This is what yep. you Yep. So um, you can get me from my website, drselhub.com or drselhubcorporate.com if you're a company, because I'm working with companies to help change culture. Um, and of course, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and, and LinkedIn and uh, sometimes on Instagram. Um, and I have, I've, I have uh, articles on many different websites, Mind Body Green. I have a, a long, lots and lots of articles and blog, a blog on my own website. Um, so really interesting things there. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel with meditations, guided meditations. And, and that's under Dr. Different, and different um, uh, interviews and lectures. Good. And it's under Dr. E as well. Dr. Or? E yeah. Okay, perfect. And and this is important. I want the listeners to really understand what you're sharing after being in mental health myself as my industry and career. Um, it's, it's priceless of what you're sharing. I hope they understand the integration from Western and Eastern because we see that a lot. We, we see these psychotropic drugs. They're there. They're, they're, they have a purpose. They're a good thing because like we talked about earlier before the show is it takes a, a forest fire down to a bonfire, down to a campfire. Then you can work with the behavior, but then there has to be a point where you start winging off. Uh, let's talk about that in closing. How how do you view that? You know, because you you're, you're combining both together. So if somebody's coming in and says, "Hey, I'm feeling this way," they're using Western. Then how do they move into Eastern? Right. So people that have come to me will come from different directions. Some people don't they refuse they absolutely do not want to do medications and we just do that and other people um try and they try to change behaviors or or, or change mindset it just isn't working because the depression or anxiety are just so severe and so what we've done is we've had them go on a medication short term usually about six to nine months 
Um, and during that time, we're working diligently on changing mindset and behaviors. We work on the underlying belief system. Um, and basically, most people have a belief that they're not loved and not safe. So that will really, that's what the love response is, is a reprogramming the underlying in, uh, belief that one is safe and loved. And we change that. Um, and we do that through a lot of meditation and cognitive behavioral therapy and then we bring in all the other um, nutrition, exercise, all, everything that's sort of bringing into changing lifestyle. And usually within maybe six to nine months, we can start weaning the medications. Wow, that's, that's great because I, I think a lot of it, now this, now some, of, some mental health issues that you might struggle with is that they might need medicine for the duration of their life if it's uh, severe ones like schizophrenia, bipolar. That's right. Uh, but you still add in the Eastern with that, right? As, as they're getting well, that treatment. So the key to understanding medications or anything. So there's a, for people to understand is that everything has a, what we call a therapeutic window. A therapeutic window means when something, the window starts when it becomes effective and starts having effects that are beneficial to the point where the, 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 the effects become toxic. So that's the window. So, for instance, chemotherapy has a very narrow therapeutic window. From the point it becomes effective to toxic is very, very small. So you have a very small window to get it in before it starts actually killing you, right? So then we have something like vitamin D, which is a very, very large therapeutic window. It's gonna take like tens of thousands of international units before it becomes really toxic, right? Um, and so, what we want to find is, is, is ways to have a larger therapeutic window. So the way I find with working with medications is that, you know, the, the, the larger the dose of a medication, the, 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 the smaller the window is going to get, right? So if you have some, like, something that at, if you give five milligrams, it might have a window this big, but you have 30 milligrams, now the window is this big, right? Because you're going to get toxic more quickly. So what we want is to, to, to enlarge that therapeutic window for the medications. So that means using as little medication as possible to get the maximum effect, right? So when we, when we bring in these other modalities, mindset, nutrition, sleep, love, meditation, what have you, they might still need to be on a medication, but they can be on the lower dose so that they actually don't have the side effects. So I like what you just said, a lower dose, managing it, but with all the other stuff that we're throwing in. And you hit a huge issue or a huge thing, not an issue, but it's that hierarchy of need, that basis of security, love, belonging. And, and a lot of times um, we don't tack that. And that's where therapy or meditation or coaching is going to come in. Or all of the above. Uh, all the above. I like that because it, 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 I don't think one is an answer. It, it has no. to take many things. Uh, directions. I found that, you know, working with clients. Now, what I'd like to end on, and I always end on this with uh, interviews, is purpose-driven. You're, you're definitely one of these purpose-driven individuals. And I love, I can, like I said earlier, I can listen to you all day because the science behind it, I just, I'm, I geek out. I, I'm, I apologize. But hmm. because you, 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 you have this method that I've believed in so many years that you can't just do one thing. It has to be multiple things because human beings are complex. You know, we're we're the only ones that think we, we can reason and uh, we need all those things. So how important is it for people to research and read to, to better their health? I always ask this because readers are le leaders and 
why, why would you tell a client or somebody you were coaching to read or, or research? Well, you want them, you want you, knowledge is power. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, when in your health destiny and, and also with my coaching, I, I give people an acronym, which is power. So, which means take a pause. P stands for pause. Mm -hmm. O is optimize and it's optimized knowledge and awareness. And that's why, again, in your health destiny, the optimized piece is I'm giving you the information to learn about the anatomy and the function of your body, how it works. Knowledge is power. When you understand something, and why I always love to explain stress physiology, because when you understand the mechanisms of the body or what's happening around you, you have more power over it. Then you can start utilizing and developing self-awareness. That's also knowledge. W stands for witnessing. That's when we get quiet and like, what is happening? Let me start feeling things. What's happening in my body? E is examine. Examine my emotions, examine what I'm feeling, examine what's going on. And then R is the restoring part, right? Restoring back into resilience and to release and uh, renew, restore, bring yourself back into a state of balance. So, but, you know, op, the O is a really big one, right? That's knowledge. It's really important. That's what's going to yeah. give you your power. And, and that's what I want to make sure under, people understand. So I want to encourage them, go get her books. I mean, you, just from listening to her just for the short amount of time, I'm definitely going to read this book. Awesome. And I'm going to study it. And I'm going to integrate it into our, our practices. Um, tell us one thing to kind of end the show and stuff. What is one thing you can give advice to everybody listening uh, just to have a healthy and, and happy life? What, what, do you, what would you say? What would I say? I would say that maybe the easiest thing that you could do right now is um, what I call do a puff of appreciation throughout your day. I love it. So, you know, when we get victimized or sad or fearful or upset, we start thinking we're unlucky or victims of our circumstance. And one easy way to shift that and shift your physiology and shift your mindset is by connecting with gratitude. So even if it's just for one second, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, think about something that you feel lucky about. Um, it could be you found a parking spot or it could be that the sun is out today or anything, just something really simple. And, um, you know, take a puff of appreciation. Yeah, I love maybe it. Maybe like once, once an hour, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Eva. And, and, and here's what I want everybody go to Amazon, check out our books and go onto Facebook and follow her. Make sure that you really reach out if you're looking for some coaching, you're looking for some dialing in your health, this is the person. I mean, just, you heard it, the wealth of knowledge that she has from going from pain to happiness. I mean, she, she shared her story and I love that. Her, her story of the messiness to turning point to success, right? You're now you're just managing and living uh, your happy things so much. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and just continue, as we always say on here, continue to be purpose-driven as you're listening to this. Uh, if you have any questions, go to iTunes. Follow us on iTunes. Also, visit our Facebook. We're going to be reposting this interview and many more. And we're just so grateful to have you. And always, if you're listening, continue to live your purpose and never give up. We'll talk, we'll talk to you guys later. And always be peaceful and take care. Until next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at 
thepurposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember, guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.